Hey, Marcus. Yo. Do you like movies and prestige television? Yes, I do. That's that's good. Because we have a podcast about those sort of things. This is Zebras in America podcast, recording live from the universe. We are not in the same room. That has only happened once in the past three years. Can you believe this pandemic is now going on three years? I guess the pandemic is over according right. to the... I guess yeah. it's over. Um, it but definitely doesn't feel over. It's still post-pandemic. It's still like stuff has affected since it. You know what I mean? So you still got to... You know, we live in a, a post-COVID, post-pandemic world. So you're still you're still on point to say that. And people are still getting COVID, so... Yeah, people are still getting COVID. Um, I will reiterate that the medicine and the science has gotten a lot better and the the variants that we are dealing with are a lot less harmful because of the efficacy of vaccines and the efficacy of masking in certain areas. I'm not I work I'm well, have I talked about where I work in the on the podcast? Yeah, I don't think not, you have. Okay, so I'm not going to go into detail about where I work cuz like mm-hmm. but I'll say that masks do work in like the way that they worked like you know growing up going on the train you'd see certain people that would wear masks. Yes. Cuz they were sick or like they were having a stuffy nose. Yes. Like if you have a stuffy nose and you wear a mask that is efficacious. I'm not telling you to wear masks outside. I'm not telling you to wear masks. I'm telling you that they are efficacious in the spread of certain things and they will help. And I don't know what else to tell you. I know I could tell you that the pandemic happened three years ago. We are definitely trying to get back to a semblance of normal. But what is normal? No. And like... In the in the past three years, like you had a kid, I moved, like, got married. You got married. Um, a lot of stuff has happened, yeah. and we took a break from the show. We're now trying to make episodes as we have something to talk about. Yeah. And guess what? I have we have something to talk about. We definitely do. So, do you want to talk about a Nicholas Winding Refn project? About a brooding person that wears a cool jacket and has a cool haircut that goes around a purple neon area with with mystical undertones with a brooding techno soundtrack? Of course I do. Okay, so Drive was a movie that happened about 15... Just kidding. That, no, I was going to make a joke. I was like, Drive came out 12 years ago. Yeah, that's what I was... I'm really glad yeah. that, you didn't, that you didn't fuck that up for me, no, Marcus. No, I, I got it. So Nicholas Winding Refn has has made his second is it his I believe his second television show. Yep. Is yeah, his second television show. Though I have some thoughts about these television shows calling them television, but we can we can go there a little bit later. So mm-hmm. he has a new prestige television show for Netflix that came out not that long ago called yep. Copenhagen Cowboy. It's a six episode show. It it he returns back to his roots of uh Dan- Denmark and using the Danish language for the most part and it is 
it's just dope. Um, the main actress Angela Bundelovich is is really dope, and we'll talk about what it's about. But yeah. so we, one of the last episodes that we did was an unpacking of his previous of Nicholas Winding Refn's previous television show. And uh, before we do that, Marcus, you want to give a, a short biography of Nicholas Winding Refn and his work? Oh, I'll, I'll try my best to be short. He's a um, Danish filmmaker, uh, although the majority of his films are English language. He's um, kind of rose to immediate fame in his home country when he made Pusher. That was like a really, really big deal over there from anyone I know who's from Denmark or has lived in Denmark. It was a big deal. Um, then uh, after his second film, Bleeder, he made the first transition over into America, which a lot of folks forgot, uh, understandably so, with Fear X, one of my favorite films. That movie made him bankrupt because um, it flopped. But in a weird way, Fear X and that amusing air quote failure is kind of what pushed his career to the next level because in order to make money, he had to go back to Denmark, make two pusher sequels, which the art which people were clamoring for for years and they still wanted it so he said hey why not i'll do it make money then he was able to get back into the u.s again he made obviously drive which was kind of like it was in a way it was like a pulp fiction of 2011 um it didn't have the lasting power of pulp fiction but it was a big deal kind of pushed ryan gosling over into that next level um and yeah i think also bronson bronson too that yeah he bronson came before that was more the Tom Hardy vehicle. Like people didn't really associate Reffin's name with that at first. Nowadays, you go back and it's like, oh yeah, it is Reffin'y. But that was kind of a Tom Hardy vehicle. Um, and yeah, nowadays he's he's really associated with just you know heavy synth music, neon, uh, kind of slow burn, long stretches of no dialogue, random spurts of violence. He's got his own unique style, and I think. And I'd like to hear your opinion on this, obviously, Scott. But I think a big part of Copenhagen Cowboy was him leaning in to his to the things he's associated with by critics and some of the things he's criticized for. I think after watch, I've I've now watched this series three times. I think a big part of Copenhagen Cowboy was like, oh, you don't like when I do this, or this is all I do. Okay, well, I'll give it to you turned up to ten. You want neon light? You want synth music? You want nobody talking for minutes of time. You want weird, random stuff. Here you go. And I actually kind of respect that. Um, so what, what, do you think I'm off in my assessment? No, I don't think you're off. I think so. Valhalla Rising was before Drive, correct? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. So Valhalla Rising, which uh, is a movie that I think is fantastic. And, you know, Mads Mikkelsen, you know, doing doing some cool viking stuff yeah sorry i meant to cut in real quick i mean to cut in real quick but mads mickelson is kind of synonymous with the reference career they've made four films together that's kind of like his that's his de niro you know to his scorsese um but they haven't worked together in quite some time but they're still kind of synonymous with each other still so anyway sorry go ahead and i believe you said somewhere that some of the color that that Nicholas Winding Refn is known for has to do with his own colorblindness. Yes, is that correct? Yeah, like that's. I mean, he's got consultants. He's got a team, and a lot of the movies that he, when you look up a lot of his favorite movies, they are heavily drenched in color. Whether it's um, the films of Seijin uh, Suzuki, uh, '80s Michael Mann, but a big part of why he uses certain colors is he is colorblind, so he likes to 
make things big you know what I mean like make the colors big so that is kind of a driving force in, in a lot of his films also he, he's actually he's really open about that and he jokes and, about it himself yes and several of his movies are dedicated to Alejandro Alejandro Hodorowski and his mentor and for a long time was set to do a adaptation of Al, uh, Alejandro's uh, comic book The Inkle unfortunately that never came to fruition but you can sort of divide Nicholas Nicholas Winding Refn's career with pre-drive and after-drive. Yes, and I'm sure you, I, I'm sure yeah. you could even dissect it in other ways. But drive, which you know we, we talk about Michael Mann. Obviously, there's many allusions to the film Thief. And, oh yeah. But you have Drive, then you have Only God Forgives, which is like most people did not like that movie. In fact, people people that I've recommended that movie to because I'm like, yo, it's so interesting. It and is. It's it's really beautiful to look at, and it's but it's grotesque. People have texted me like, "Fuck you," you know, yeah. like yeah. "fuck you" for recommending me that movie, which is rare. But yeah. that and Moscow Zero have gotten me a lot of curses. Oh, that, oh. See, only God forgives. I understand, but Moscow Zero, I understand if no one's going to like Moscow Zero, but kind of a, an angry response that kind of makes me sad. Look, man. Bit. I know. I know that you really love that dude. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Why am I drawing a blank? <laughs> You're talking about Vincent uh, Gallo, or Vincent you could be Gallo. talking about Val Kilmer. You know. I know you have a soft spot for Val Kilmer and Vincent Gallo, but I, I feel like... A, I signed an NDA for Vincent Gallo I don't uh, think you're, not too long ago. I don't think you're supposed to say that? No, you can't say what it entails. You could, Everyone, I signed an NDA, I can't talk about it. Like People say that all the time, but as long I, as they don't talk about the specifics of what and why, so... I will say also that Vincent Gallo movies have gotten me, me recommending Vincent Gallo movies have gotten the most negative responses. You know, he made a movie in the early aughts with Courtney Cox called Get Well Soon, mm-hmm. where he plays a, a talk show host. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit unbelievable, but I really like exactly. it. Yeah, same, and, same. And my friend who I recommended it to back when Netflix was DVDs was so mad at me that he had to wait another week for one of his DVDs that he didn't take any recommendations. I gave him for a long time. Love you, Gray. Um, <laughs> chances with wolves. Hi, Doug Marcus. You ever smoke PCP? Not yet. Um, but I think that also helped me, with my origin story, because I realized that if you're trying to find out like the greatest French new wave film, I'm not the person to ask, but if you're trying to get an honest pulse from somebody who just enthusiastically enjoys art, I will give that to you. And sometimes it's going to be surprising. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I like the popular stuff. Sometimes I do. But I'm into it. Also, I recommended... So, speaking of Vincent Gallo movies, so the three movies that I recommended got people cursing at me. 
You remember the movie he made where it's like Rambo, where he doesn't talk? Of course. Like, oh, the Jersey. Oh my God. Um, the Jersey Skolomowski movie. Ho- hold on. I, oh, I feel so bad. He just came out with a movie this year. Um, yes. Oh, I, obviously, I saw it. In the, uh, Essential Killing. Jeez. So yes. Essential Killing. If you haven't seen it, it's like if 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 they made an artsy Rambo with Vincent Gallo, but you don't know whether he's a good guy or a bad yes. guy. Yeah, right. and it's a really interesting movie. And I never told my friend that it was a good movie. I said it was an interesting movie, right? Of of which you cannot deny that it is an interesting movie. And to it go is. back to Nicholas Winding Refn, I think Only God Forgives is an interesting movie, and I think it's a good movie. But when people ask me about it, I say it's an interesting movie. And then he went even the thing. What I'm I think something that we both agree on is that. He's just really leaned into uh, the the conventions that he's both maligned and celebrated for. Uh, I've I've talked to people that I've talked to people. I, I think I've talked to Martin Kessler. Hi, hi, Martin. Um, about these ideas that Nicholas Winding Refn Refn has has one of the largest standard deviations amongst people that of people that love or hate so the purple the occult the esoteric the violent Mm. the synth you either love it or you're just like i cannot handle this anymore and he just leaned deeper and deeper and deeper into it so when you have the neon demon which was like uh, his version of mulholland drive it's just (laughs) kind of yeah that's true it's just like, oh, you're just going, you're just going for it. You're just like being upsetting and purple. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then he made Only God Forgives, which I think Only God Forgives, which is like a auteur thing. And and I don't know if I should mention this because I know it's not popular to mention uh, Louis C.K.'s Horace and Pete. Have you ever watched yeah. Horace and Pete? I, I never finished it, but I, I've I've watched some of it. Yeah. So I think Horace and Pete and and Too Old to Die Young are both uh, the anti binge watching shows. Mm. I'm not I'm not saying anything about Horace and Pete other than it's something you can't really binge watch. If you do, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. And if if only God forgives, you know, we did a whole episode about it. So you can, you can revisit that. We both think that only God forgives was a very good TV show, but only much what? like not only God forgives too young to too old to die young, too old to die young was an Amazon television show. We talk about it in a whole episode. Um, it's very good. It's very violent. It's, confusing and grotesque and to call it a television show is sort of like i don't know this is a 10-hour movie yeah it's it's his berlin alexander platz whereas you know i feel that that copenhagen cowboy even though still feels kind of a movie at least uses some television tropes more so sure and yeah, so what's what's your interpretation? Tell me about Copenhagen Cowboy. Hmm. It's about a 
supernatural alien and I, 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 I the, the 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 inflection on the question mark who is yeah, where here you, on where huh? you get that from I well the second episode in so many words she kind of says she is like an alien life I mean maybe it's episode two but episode two or three but let, let me just say she is a supernatural being who is now on earth she has to take care of some personal stuff but while she's here I think she's just like a good person and sees that, oh, this world that I'm currently in, there are some other people in trouble and perhaps I could do things to help with my powers that I have. Since since I'm here, why don't I maybe help some folks out? Right. I view it, yeah, it's a supernatural thriller. It's it's Reffin's take on a, on a vigilante superhero story with, again, this character Mew who is in the Danish underworld and helps out shady figures and has a cool haircut and has an out has a cool outfit that she wears the entire time. Yeah. And it's set in this world where there are people that have certain powers and certain supernatural things and she decides to help out people who need help while also being part of the world. She is violent. She does throw hands. She yeah. has she has powers. The limits of her powers are not fully explained. Yeah. And we just we just know that Nicholas is going full refin in this one. And yeah. it, you know, if if too old to die young was was sort of like true detective this is more like Carnival or something. Oh, man, that's a really cool comparison. Yeah. I was going to say, this one isn't as good, but there's a show, I think it was only on for one season. It's called. It was called Hard Time on Planet Earth. I don't know if anybody remembers that. You know the bad sensei, the Cobra Kai sensei from the Karate Kid films? Mm-hmm. He played an alien who was on planet Earth, uh... He was like an alien in a human skin, and he was Martin Cove, the the Cobra Kai, evil Cobra Kai guy, and he was just kind of helping people out while he was on planet Earth. But I like the Carnival um, comparison way better than what I just said. Well, you got this like uh, this complicated set of rules. You have good characters who do bad things, and bad characters who do good things, and aristocracy, and the idea of you know good. Bl- the the good blood of coming from rich people versus the you know blue bloods or or what have you and yeah yeah I was just I was just I really like this I I think I will revisit it more than I will revisit Too Old to Die Young hmm. I don't I'm not saying it's better because well Too cause, Old to Die Young is a lot there's like it's so dense. You know what I'm saying? Where I think, like I said, I've watched Copenhagen Cowboy three times now uh, since before recording this. I'm not going to say it's breezy. I just, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. It's just a little easier to get through. I think Too Old to Die Young is a better series. But, I mean, just some of those episodes are are movie length. You you know what I'm saying? So to get through a show like that with, what is it, 11, 12 episodes, it's a lot. Right, and again, I really, I think he was making a 12-hour movie and calling it a television show. Yeah. 
spoilers. There's going to be spoilers throughout the whole thing. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. You know, in Too Old to Die Young, the main character dies before, like, a the couple second, episodes. A couple episodes you know? before the show ends, yeah. which I just feel like shows you that really this is this is a movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's supernatural, and it's very disgusting. And there's a scene with James Urbaniak playing a an adult entertainment director. That's yep. one of the most upsetting scenes I've seen. Yep. Ever. It's like yep. you know, happiness. The movie happiness levels of discomfort. Sure. And. This 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 show Copenhagen Cowboy does not shy away from the underbelly of sex trafficking and human trafficking and making th- this thing that we're learning more and more about yeah. about making women do things that are not necessarily what we would think of as straight up sex work it could be doing cams or or being an escort or doing things of that nature and then how that affects people. So when you have this character coming from this underbelly of Mew who's just not judging these characters and mm-hmm. working with the characters but also being like, I can't stand for this. I mean, the the basic crux of it is that she helps someone who helps her get a baby, get a child back from... Yeah, yes from one of the the boss figures yeah where and they have a fight scene which really reminds me of only god forgives but in full ref and fashion like like they did like sound effects and shit in this one they're just like they're just he's just going for he's having fun with this movie with this piece whereas there's there's not a lot of fun in too old to die young no, there's not. It's funny you mention the fight scene because that fight scene from Only God Forgives comes from Holy Mountain, the Jodorowsky oh, yeah. film. And I felt I felt vindicated because on my alternate Twitter account, Refin uh, retweeted, quote tweeted one of my comparisons with a heart. So I felt vindicated. It was the fight scene that Scott was just talking about <clears throat> between Mew and the, uh, the Asian gangster. Uh, and I compared it to the fight scene in Holy Mountain. Um, and I was like, all right, so I'm not, I'm not crazy. I, I, I was on point. Um, yeah. So it's all connected. So Mew is just this enigmatic character who has this blue jacket and is almost messianic in that, you know, just like how, how Jesus hung out with sex workers and people of ill repute and protected them. She's, I'm not comparing, I'm just saying she's. She's protecting people. She's yeah. she's trying yeah. to help out and but she's willing to use the means of these people to do it. Like she's willing to sell drugs to to save it to save a child. Yeah. She's not she's willing to, to get her hands dirty. I mean she she burns down the house of someone who fucks with her and but the per, but but who she's burning the ha- you know, it's it's these Sex traffickers. Yeah. I was yeah, yeah. And she's and, not a nice person. I think there's this interesting that that character who is a that you know, we're gonna have some spoiler alerts, but not like crazy spoiler alerts, but the character who is one of the victims in, in said house burning, 
her introduction as a character is interesting too because it's like she's all into Mew. She's this like she's really respectful, and then you have one of her trafficked uh, victims come up. You know, she's like, "Hey, can I? The shower's not working. Can I use the shower up here?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure, for this much money." And then like she immediately it's like, "Oh, you're a bad guy." You know, what I mean? like at first you're not sure where this older woman where she stands. And then the way she kind of presents herself later on in a scene, it's like, okay, you're not one of the good people. Fair enough. And I, I thought that was kind of a clever, uh, kind of a clever way of doing it. Yeah, it's know? letting you know, like, oh yeah, she's she's not with it. And as we're learning about these sort of these dens of iniquity, and I'm sure they happen in America as well. But you're reading about it in Europe and Eastern Europe and how how they affect you know it's it's rough and i i can imagine i'll bet that this show might become like the patriot state of people who want to get out of that shit like mew Mm. i i could see people rocking shirts of mew like oh she speaks for us sure yeah and it's hard not to think of are you familiar with this character named andrew tate yeah unfortunately yes so he was a he's a, du- a Dutch kickboxer or no Brit I don't know he's from Europe and he's is a kickbo- he I think so oh I mean he has an American accent I just always oh what do I know uh look it up as I go on my mind. he might have been born somewhere and just grew up in America I don't know but I, I either way I know who you're talking about well I don't want to get it wrong so if you could figure it out oh as okay. I... hang on. So yeah, well, he, things about his ethnicity and nationality have been coming up a lot recently. Hold on. Andrew well, yeah, he's Tate. he's he's of mixed heritage. His father is a black man, a chess master. Yeah, um, he was born in Washington D.C., but it looks like he has British American citizenship. So, anyway, yeah. he he got very popular over the past couple of years, honestly, through people thinking like, "Oh, this guy's funny" because he says a lot of very misogynistic things he says things that are you know very against the culture that we live in right now he even is like i've i've heard him say that reading is bad sure or or your dad doesn't need your dad barely needs to be around when you're growing up that was another recent one and a lot of this has to do with uh your mom's house because they they that podcast with Tom Segura and Christina P, mm-hmm. they, who who are friends with, you know, friend of the show, uh, Esoteric, who they did a music video with them for Zarface. Mm-hmm. You remember when we had Esoteric on the show? No, 7L. Yeah, I was, I was waiting to... Yes, we had DJ 7L, yes. I'm sorry. I... I apologize. I took an antihistamine before <laughs> this episode, so forgive me if I'm a little loose. Okay. He's been back. He's been back in the news, but we don't need to get into that. Seven L. No, Keith Murray. Oh it's no! It's not I for good. Mo- thing. It's mu- mu- multiple things. He just uh, he's airing a bunch of dirty laundry from the '90s, and it's clear he's lying. But everyone, all the typical Vlad. Adam-22 folks are giving him a platform to just obviously lie, and people want to believe stuff like this, but anyway. So, but this is the thing about platforms. So you have people like Adam-22, and Vlad, and Sneeko, and 
Um, I don't even know who that is. Andrew Tate that are just like pushing these narratives that I think, you know, I don't believe in censorship, but I do believe that these people are, and Jordan Peterson, I, I just disagree with them. I think that the things that they're trying to pursue are dishonest and people say, Oh, well, well, Andrew Tate has some points, but a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. I'm telling you, that's not your man. No, it's not. It's funny. I was uh, on my drive back from Connecticut last night. I was ranting to my wife about the, now they're not directly related, but they're in the same sphere. Whether we're talking about the fresh and fit podcast, Kevin Samuels, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate. They're all, oh, fresh, with, fre- they're all of the same ilk. And Andrew no, Tate they're, is they're, on Fresh and Fit a lot. They're all, and, and fr- but like Fresh and Fit, they're like, they they know better and they push this narrative. Yeah, yes, they do. But what I was getting, my, my, my issue is though, so I'm, I'm sure, Scott, you're familiar with this. You know how when like a man, and I'm being gender specific, when a man does something that other people consider, I'm using air quotes, not manly, or this isn't masculine, they, 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 what they what they say is what happened to men, but it and I used to hate that, but now with people like all the aforementioned folks that we've named, I find myself going what happened to men because I don't think people know what an alpha male is. I don't think people know what masculine is because I think to myself, all the men that I grew up, my, the day one men, my father, my grandfather, my uncles, like I would wake up in the morning to them just doing stuff, being men, but not starting a podcast about it or not going up to the women in their lives and going, Hey, did you see the thing I fixed? Hey, I brought home the money. Hey, did you see, like they just did it. And I think that's what attracted people to them. They just did it and they didn't expect, you know, this kind of like just below, just below all these people. They're, they're one level above this incel stuff. We're like, I'm a man. I deserve this. I deserve that. And I just thought one of the main things of being a man. And I know I'm being there's some people not like this talk, but complaining and whining is the is one of the least manly things you can do, and I find yeah. that Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, they all do this like complaining. They expect things, and they just they think they deserve stuff because of their gender, is, and that pisses me off. But this anyway. is not this is not the point of what I'm trying to get to. No, I know um, it's not the point. I no, I I was saying this is what I was ranting about. It's funny you brought him up. That's all. Well, I'm the views him are Marcus. The views are of Marcus. By the way, yeah, I really disagree with you on a lot of the points you just made, but I don't have the <laughs> okay. energy. I don't have the energy to go into it other to say than like you disagree. So fresh and fit guys like that, you disagree that those guys suck. Based if I didn't that's explain not what it I well said. enough, fine. No, I disagree with what your notions of masculinity are and that what being a man is, and that no, I I, I use I said I'm using air. I'm I'm only saying that in defense of what people expect masculinity is today. And all I'm saying is now more than ever, this toxic masculinity thing is wrong because they think. The wrong stuff about obviously, like I, I, I said, I was th- that. That's why I prefaced what I said. That's and I, and that's unfortunately what happened with these conversations. All I'm saying is masculinity and no. femininity are a spectrum. Of they're, course they are. Of course complex. they are. So for right now I'm worried. So anyone listening, obviously I think this. All I am saying is that there are a lot of young men who gravitate towards these people that we're talking about, and it is very dangerous. If what I said was unclear before, I hope it's super clear now. What what I what I just said. I and what I'm trying to what I'm trying to point out is the reason why I was thinking about Andrew Tate when watching this show is that mm-hmm. recently Andrew Tate and his brother were arrested in Romania because they're yeah. um allegedly 
doing human trafficking and sex trafficking by getting women to fall in love with them and then agree to do cam work and possibly others, but allegedly. And it just reminded me of what's going on in this show. Just, just, you know, taking advantage of women uh, and men and, and non-binary and transgender and all, all the people that get taken advantage of, which is everybody. And, but to all, all to, different levels and I just thought there there was a character in the first few episodes that reminded me of an Andrew Tate you know and yeah I just think you can't if you're thinking about Eastern European sex trafficking yeah that's part of the news right now right and by standards of what trafficking is it doesn't look good for the Tate brothers I don't think well good that's all. I, this is definitely spent talking about this longer than I wanted to. No, and if you're if you're a fan of our show, and you're also a fan of um, Andrew Tate, uh, b- before I say go fuck yourself, uh, you know, s- send us an email explaining why, because like I don't understand. There's like Scott, a, Scott, Scott will read it. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, Marcus would not be interested why, but since got the email, he'll read it. I'm just, you know, kill. cause there are, there, are, there are plenty of positive role models in the world that don't think that your wife is property. You know what like, I mean? And like the prototypes I mentioned earlier, dads, grandfathers, uncles, there's so many great ones out there, but the loud minority of folks like Andrew Tate unfortunately now there's this blanket cast over a lot of men and I think it's really unfair and it's very dangerous and it kind of makes me sad other days it makes me angry but anyway yeah I try not yeah I'm in therapy for my anger and other things you know sure shout out to therapy yeah shout out to therapy but yeah Copenhagen Cowboy is a purple dance nightmare you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, maybe she's an alien. Maybe she's got these other powers. There are other people who have powers, too. There's this she has this nem- nemesis, Nicholas, who like is all types of messed up. And then his sister may have the same powers as Mew. And then like all of a sudden you realize that there's like maybe lots of other people like this. And yeah. The show the show ends on a cliffhanger where it's like a like how are you gonna set up this 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 showdown between like all these super cool psychic power people and then be like, nah, it's over now. Right. I think it's one of those things like there's like a whole world. And I think the format of the show allows us to be you know, it, it's that incredible hulk well, it's not the first show to do that, but it's that incredible hulk format of just going from place to place helping folks while there's still personal stuff that you got to deal with on your own but on your downtime you 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 help the kid with the abusive father or you 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 help the uh the town who's under the you know the terror of a killer you know what i'm saying like so it's it's one of those things it's the show is so far out there but at the the same time the format does leave you a team too the the a team was pro-union you know what i'm saying so right yeah 
the A team would go against Union Busting. So yeah. the A team is cool with me. Right. Right. It's it it's it's funny though because so before record, uh, Scott and I were talking about a movie that we both wanted to try to see, but in both of our respective cities, it's very difficult to see it. And it connects to things like Copenhagen Cowboy and Refn, because when I look at stuff like Copenhagen Cowboy, Too Old to Die Young, Irma Vep, shows like that made by prestige art house filmmakers, and other ones are doing it too. Like my buddy Lodge Kerrigan directed episodes of this new Sylvester Stallone show. I, I, I just, that, and it's like part of what Martin Scorsese, the, the part that nobody wants to hear or ignore is the fact that certain bigger movies now more than ever, they are making it difficult for, like, mid-budget. We're not even talking about low-budget. Just, like, a mid-budget movie to get decent screens or, or decent screen time in theaters. And and I think it's case in point what Scott and I are going through right now. There's this movie we want to see. The, the cast is made up of pretty well-known people. One super popular person uh, right now. And it's kind of like the only times to see it are, like, first thing in the morning or late at night. And that just doesn't work for people. Uh, your average person and I feel like if you're someone like Refn or Olivia Sayas or Lodge Carrigan or just there, there's so many more exa- Hal, like Hal Hartley David Gordon Green all these people where it's just like I could essentially do what I want on television and make money and keep getting return projects it's like well maybe I'll do this and theaters are closing the smaller theaters are closing in bigger cities so I, I can only imagine places like Wyoming and Idaho, it's even worse, you know what I'm saying, to go to an actual theater. So I'm wondering if this is a, a slow start to more prestige, critically acclaimed, art house indie filmmakers gravitating towards this new format of television, you know. Oh, Twin Peaks is another crazy, great example, too, you know, that last season of Twin Peaks. Um, do you think I'm off base? Do, do you see... You get what I'm saying? Do you see this as like the future of? No, oh, I've been. Gonna... <laughs> I mean, I've been talking about this. We've been talking about this since Noah Baumbach just been straight up doing Netflix movies. I think. Yeah. We're who knows what's going to happen with movie theaters, but they they are hard. They are expensive to run. Yeah. And really got affected by the pandemic, whereas, you know, bookstores are having a renaissance and record stores are having a renaissance because tangible goods became very popular in in the pandemic and with streaming services taking movies or music off of their platforms people have been wanting to own tangible goods whereas movie theaters have not really figured out to deal with the times so the bigger movie theaters will show the big, the big, the tentpole pictures, and then maybe they'll show uh, a more RC film, you know, in the back in the smaller theaters. So, but the the movies that I want to see, sometimes I'll check them out, and they're playing at the local movie theater at you know seven thirty at night on a Sunday. Not a really great time to no, see a movie not. on a on a Sunday. You know, because I was almost like, oh, I know that both of us wanted to try to see Infinity Pool, maybe talk about it for the show. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll catch a matinee. There's like, oh, yeah, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. It's. No, I know. And, and I'm, I'm actually 
I'm a big fan of Brandon Cronenberg thus far, and I just just the trailer alone. I I also like Mia Goth a lot. I like Alexander Skarsgård, and it's just kind of the perfect thing. And it's like, damn, it's, <laughs> I can't really. But I I guess this is also a sign. I'm sure this will probably be streaming sooner than than normal. Yeah, but, definitely. I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier too, I've I've rewatched Irma Vep again since it since it started. It is like, it is such a good show, and it's like you know you got this guy Olivia Sayas doing TV now. He was Mr. Cinema, and now but the lines are blurred. And going back to tw- Twin Peaks, the return. It it. it, it in 2017, obviously, this dialogue had been happening for a long time, but I think Twin Peaks of Return was really, was when people, everyone really started getting this conversation of, well, what's TV and what's cinema? What does it matter? It's all a moving image. I think that's, this that that was like the, the Thor hammer smash of like, let, let, let's really have this talk now. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm just feeling it more and more now. Or even something like the rehearsal, which I thought was brilliant. That That just felt like, what started out as an episodic show, like those first three episodes, by the end of it, really ended up being like a movie. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know if you well, saw you saw the rehearsal, right? I did see the rehearsal. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. You know, um, yeah. I mean, it's just it, that, but that goes into a deeper thing of 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 creating large projects of you know of immersive cinema. Have you seen any of the Dow films? No, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, you've been talking about it for a while. I haven't. Yeah. So Dow was this project where basically this entire city was pretending to be, uh, a city in Russia in a certain time period for a few years. And people that were playing the jobs of the characters were doing those jobs. And then, there were cameras everywhere, and they've just been making film upon film upon film about it. And I, I don't know if Nathan Fielder knew about it when he was making the rehearsal, but I feel like he had to, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he was thinking about The Truman Show or Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. Uh, after watching the rehearsal, Saski and I watched Synecdoche, New York, because I was like, yo, you got to see it. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting, though, because when that movie came out, people were not feeling it at all. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case anymore. That is, that's having the Pinkerton effect, being like the Weezer Pinkerton album, which when it came out, people were not feeling it, and now people are like, that's one of the great albums of the '90s. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, Copenhagen Cowboy. Did you like it? I liked it very, very much. Do you think there will be a second season, or do you think no. that? No. So you you think the cliffhanger was just sort of like this is the world that the characters exist in and life goes on. It's a double. It's it's that, what you just said. And it's also Ruffin going, hey, if you want to throw me some more money to do another season, I can. But I just don't think that that's going to happen. But, you know. Do you think that he will make more movies? I don't know. Sure. I mean, sure. But I just think with these last two projects... I, and it's also... Look, take Drive out of the equation, but when you look at, like, Only God Forgives and Neon Demon or even Fear X, uh, Valhalla, these are movies that are layered, but they're kind of confined in these, like, 110-minute runtimes where I think the last two projects that Refn has done, it's like, this is what I've always wanted to do. Or look at Pusher. Pusher is a great example of, like, his, that was his cinematic universe. You have this first movie, and then the sequel focuses on one of the side 
characters, and then the third part focuses on an even cider um, character. You know what I'm saying? But they're all from the same universe, the same world. So since day one, it's almost like, oh, maybe he's wanted to do this. But, you know, in 1999, television and streaming, well, streaming wasn't a thing, and television isn't what it was. So now that we have all this stuff, it's like, yeah, he could do it. I mean, it does. So who knows? Does Too Old to Die Young and Copenhagen Cowboy happen in the same universe? No. No. They they look similar, but I just think there's... There's hints at, you know, things like maybe the occult or... Oh, you know what? Goddamn. Not because I'm forgetting about Jenna Malone's character literally transforming. You know, the thing with her eyes. Mm-hmm. So maybe... We see, you know, supernatural things. We actually see this one supernatural thing happen in two. So maybe now, now that you say, yeah, maybe, huh? It's just something I thought about. No, I didn't think about it until you asked me it. So I mean, I don't, I don't have like super deep critique about it. I just was very, I thought it was very interesting and sure. I thought the acting was good. The music was fantastic, and yeah. just yeah, Refin being like, all right. This shit gonna be slow. Yeah. I I enjoyed it and yeah, I hope more directors if they find that making films is too challenging and these companies are willing to give them money to make ten hour movies, I hope they do. Yeah, why not? Shit. Do you have any thoughts before we wrap up today? No, um, Copenhagen Cowboy, watch it like on a day like today, watch it on a Sunday afternoon. Um, for those of you listening, we're recording on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it like when you get off of work in the middle Mm. of the week. It's something you got to set aside some time and don't try to binge watch it. This is one of those shows. Like if you try to binge watch it, you're almost, I'm not saying going against, like I I don't set any rules, but I'm just saying it, it, it just... It, it, it becomes more of a labor. I, I, I would take breaks in, in, in between. Not super long breaks. Like, just like a day. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, ingest it. I mean, because it's, it's, like it, it's a really fine meal. And when you have a fine meal, yeah, it tastes delicious. But you don't want to be greedy and gorge. Because it's like, there's things like your palate. You want to try certain things. So, t- take your time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I right, see you on the flip side, baby. All right.